Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Reading Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Fisher. And I'm Laura. We're so glad you joined us for this month's episode. We're hitting a great classic, The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien, proof that every great writer either goes by initials and especially ones with two R's in their names. J.R.R. Tolkien and George R.R. Martin, which you're not allowed to read yet, but you'll appreciate someday. C.S. Lewis. It's another good one. J.K. Rowling's good. J.K. Rowling, another great. See, all the best just use their initials. What are your initials going to be when you're an author? A.R.F. A.R. Fisher. That could work. If you haven't done done this already, go ahead and subscribe to us wherever great podcasts are found. Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or even go to our website, reading-radio.com, and you can find all those links there. You can find all of our old episodes. You can even find links to all the books that we're going to be reading or have read in the past. You can buy them on Amazon and contribute to Allura's College Fund. Okay, did all that. Overall impression of the book, go. Okay, so... This book definitely took me a while to read. Okay. I th- most books that thick will take me at most four or five days. And I think this book took me two weeks. Two or three weeks. Now, I kept asking you, and you can tell me now, is it because you didn't enjoy it or because it was uh, just more difficult for some reason? So, the book was both a little more difficult than what I'm used to reading. Which is not because I don't want to read harder books. It's because I can't find any that are my age appropriate. And it was also not one of the most interesting books we've done. I'm, I'm making a hurt face right now for those of you who are listening. I'm a little disappointed in that, but that's okay. We'll come back around. Yeah, I think I think a lot of parents will find that same struggle where... We kids are getting to a higher reading level, but not a higher content level. We're pretty selective about what we read, and we want you to not read books that are sketchy, for lack of a better word, and that they're just they're really hard to find. So yes, but you you didn't find this interesting. I did once I like got into it, but it was harder to start. Okay, let's um, we do our spoiler or spoiler free summary. In a few few words, or give our scores. Let's go scores. Okay, I'm going to give this book a four point five. Okay. Uh, it is the foundation of all fantasy fiction from that point forward. It is the precursor to the Lord of the Rings, which really defined the genre. Although, if you didn't like The Hobbit, don't read those for a few years because they're really boring compared to The Hobbit as far as I'm concerned. Get a lot of flack for that. I'm hoping so. Get some hate mail, get some, get some conversation generated, come at me. I don't care. So 4.5 for me. What about you? I think I'm going to give it a 3.9. Three mo- Are you just doing that to try to not get in trouble? Yeah. Okay. That's fair. So 3.9. 3.9. Like I said, it was harder to get, get into to start than other books I've read. Okay. Why do you, why was it hard to get in? Well, you know, let's do the spoiler-free summary, and then we can talk all about details. So you want to summarize it for us? It is about a lonely little hobbit. Named? Bilbo, who just wants to be left alone in, the, in this world, and then he gets carried on this adventure by a bunch of homeless dwarves. That pretty much sums it up. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes there and back again 
which is the subtitle of the book. Okay. Why is it called that? Like, it's or that. Why okay, it... hold on. We're now going to enter into the spoiler zone. If you've not read The Hobbit, shame on you. And uh, you're about to be spoiled if you care. So don't say we didn't warn you. At the very end of the book, he's talking about writing his memoirs, and he thought about calling it There and Back Again, A Hobbit's Journey. And so Tolkien named it The Hobbit or There and Back Again because that's the name of the story. So it was written in some way by kind of like Bilbo. He doesn't write it in the first person. He doesn't say I, but he writes it in the third person, and and you're supposed to be left thinking that the writer is Bilbo. Ah. Ah. So why did it take you a while to get into the book? I think the language was a bit harder than what I normally read because it's it's an older book and the language was just a bit harder and then it took a bit to get to the climax. The meat of the matter? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. What did you think of the dwarf suddenly showing up at Bilbo's house? I would have locked the door and acted like I wasn't there. <laughs> That's, he was, well, yes. But he didn't recognize that it was a problem until the third or fourth one showed up, right? Yeah. yeah. Now, we, now, you've seen the Lord of the Rings movies, which we actually violated one rule in our house, which is read the books first. You haven't read Lord of the Rings, but we have watched the movies. So you knew who Gandalf was. Yes, Did and you... Bilbo, because he was in there. Right. I didn't know if you put that together, that that's who it was. He wasn't the yes. main character in Lord of the, in the Lord of the Rings movies, but he was in there for sure. Yes. So reading it for the first time, not having seen that, you don't know who Bilbo is, or sorry, who Gandalf is. What impressions do you think would be there? It's kind of crazy in a way. I could see that. Like very odd as a character. Which is, I think, fun. Yeah. Kind of like, not that he's insane. He's just a little bit. Wizardly. Yeah. That's that's the word for it, right? (laughs) That works. Okay. And, um. So the dwarves show up, they sing their Breaking the Plate song, which always sticks in my head from the old cartoon. We'll have to watch that at some point. It's an old BBC cartoon that was done. Probably one of the best renditions of the movie since... Do you know they took this movie, or this book, and made it into a three-part movie? Why? Don't ask me. I don't know. Is it three parts? It might have actually been two parts. It was too long, regardless. Okay, it kind of makes sense turning Deathly Hollows into two parts. No, not at all. But Hobbit into... Three parts? That seems kind of excessive. I agree. I agree. Let me ask this. What was the what was the major importance of the scene with the trolls? The did you think? The scene with the trolls. Yeah. The Bilbo goes out sneaking, he gets he gets captured, and then the dwarves all get captured, but Bilbo Bilbo escapes. Oh, to prove that Bilbo is loyal to them and even though he didn't want to be there in the first place, he's gonna help them. Yeah, I think it's the first place he starts to earn the respect of the dwarves, too. Yes. They, they kind of laughed at him, thought he was ridiculous, which he was. He's like a dandy. He's not an outdoors person. He's not a burglar. Never really revealed why. They want to hit him on the quest. Well, they want him on the quest because they need a burglar. They need a thief class because they're all warriors. Mm-hmm. And, they, uh, and they need more than 13 because 13 is on an unlucky number and they need a 14th on their quest. And so that's why he gets, you know, a 14th share and whatnot. Got it. So what was your, what was your favorite, favorite parts? Um, I like the part where he was helping everyone escape the castle from the elves. Okay. That's fun. Yeah, when they all go to the barrels? Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> it was just the amusing part of the dwarves being stuck in barrels. And they were complaining about it. Wouldn't you be complaining if you're nailed into a barrel and tossed into the sea and, you know, rolled around and hit rocks and all that kind of stuff? Well, you're escaping. <laughs> true. It's true. It doesn't make it any more comfortable. It's kind of a choice between, you know, suffering in prison and, and that, but... Which would you pick? I guess I'd take the barrels. I just don't... I don't think I'd complain about it. <coughs> I wouldn't complain as loudly. You think? <laughs> I mean, that was really their only option. There wasn't a way they were going to all sneak out of there. He, he couldn't use the invisibility ring on, on all of them. Yeah. Speaking of, what did you think of his introduction to Gollum? You skipped right over that. I like Gollum. You like Gollum? He's cute. He's cute in the movie. He's kind of deadly in this book. Never really reveals that cute side. And he's a li- he's not a little bit insane. He is insane. Yeah. We f- I mean, we found out his backstory in Lord of the Rings. but mm-hmm. it, And it's pretty sad. But And the ring has driven him crazy. So I I thought it was interesting. I like the riddle contest. You can, yes. You and your sister always asking me riddles. I thought you'd appreciate that. I like riddles. Yeah. Well, did, you f- did you enjoy any of those riddles in particular? Really? No. But I liked the part of having the riddles. Yep. Yes. I thought what's in my pocket was a cheating riddle. Mm-hmm. Wasn't quite fair. But. What are you going to do? I don't know. You're going to win and run away with the gold ring and turn invisible. Uh-huh. So. Except in daylight because then you can see a shadow. How does that work? Don't ask me. I don't question the rules of magic. That's just <laughs> the way it is. What did you anticipate happening when they got to uh, see Smog? The dragon. The dragon. Um, I figured they were going to win and get the gold. Right. I like that that's not where it ended, though. Yeah. And the, the fact that they didn't kill the dragon made it really interesting. They just got past him to get the gold. Right. But then the village, uh, Bard was his name, right? Bard mm-hmm. shoots him down from the village, and then they come claiming pieces, you know, wanting the gold as well, wanting yeah. shares of it, and it creates this whole big fiasco. Whose side would you be on in that situation? Well, they were doing fine without actually killing him. And so I think the interference of Bard was unnecessary. You don't think Smog would have come back had they not killed him? Well, if they got his stuff and got out, they would. I don't think he would have figured out who it was. Like, if this is your typical dragon, just care about the gold. No, but he knew every piece of gold there. He he mm. knew who they were. He had already killed their ponies, so they had no way to transport the gold. He had caught them in the forest and burned them down as well. So that's why I think they were. there needed to be some sort of share with everybody, since they all kind of worked together. And then, I'm totally blanking on the lead dwarf's name. Durin was the, was the original king. Thorin. Jeez. Because it sounds like Thorn. Yeah, Thorn Oak, Thorn Oaken Shield. If I know. Anyway, he got. It's almost like he had a spell cast on him from the gold too. Like he got really selfish all of a sudden and didn't mm. want to share anything. Um, then Bilbo kind of sneaks away to make make some peace and try to make things happen. And the only thing that pulls them all together is Bilbo there. Well, <laughs> <coughs> no, it's the orcs coming, or the goblins coming. Oh yeah, because they have the to end. fight them off. Yeah. Right. But you know from some modern fantasy stuff, Tolkien invented the idea that the goblins ride the wolves. Uh And you know that that still carries forward to today, that goblins and wolves have some sort of connection. So one thing I really liked, though, 
was how descriptive he was. Okay. I've written about 14 pages in a Google Docs, but the problem I'm having is I not being very descriptive with it, and I've got that comment from people that I've had read it, so I like how descriptive he is about it. Did you notice that at all? I did. It's, um... <clears throat> he has this entire world, it seems, created. History and all. Now, it reflects some, I think, on the history of the world. It kind of makes a parallel. Some people have said that, like, the goblins represent the the people he was at war with, or Britain was at war with at the time of, you know, kind of the writing that impacted him. Um, but the way he writes, it's because it seems like he's he has this whole thing in his head. And he wants, yeah. to, he wants to paint that picture. Now, think again. This is written before... Um, TV it was before TV, so the entertainment you had were books and the radio. Radio dramas were probably coming around. They had sound effects, <clears throat> but authors really had to paint those pictures and help people understand. And I like the idea that when he wrote like the Misty Mountains, things changed. It was like there's some areas where the story was upbeat, and those er- those lands were upbeat and beautiful. Yes. And when it got scary, it's because things were scary and dark and cold. And it changed the entire setting of the scene. Why do you why do you think it's more difficult for you to write descriptions like that? I think it's because it's all in your head, and you see how it, you think it's supposed to be. But when you put it out, you expect the people to already know those things, even though they, there's no way they could know that unless you write it. Yeah, you've got to paint some picture. Like we've talked before, I think C.S. Lewis does a good job of naming one or two things and then says, and all the other things you'd find at a great feast. And mm-hmm. that allows the reader to kind of paint their own picture of what they would expect. Um, I've, I've heard, listened to storytellers talk, when you're going to tell a story about your dad, you never give his name. You just say, my dad, and you tell that story. And what happens in their brain is they picture their father. But if you, meant, if you give your dad's name, it breaks that illusion in their head. Because they can't imagine their, they can't put themselves in your place and use their dad anymore. Now they're thinking, trying to imagine what your dad looks like. But an author's job is to draw them in, describe the land so they can paint somewhat of a picture, and then let them take it from there. Yeah. And I think he, he does a great job of of filling in all the things they they wouldn't necessarily have known about fantasy, like we do today. We know there's certain tropes and dwarves are living in the mountains and there are fickle people who don't like anybody else and hobbits are you know this kind of person and elves are this kind of person and we you know those stereotypes that we all know from reading fantasy didn't necessarily exist because they all came from Tolkien's imagination or at least to some degree but he gets all the credit mm-hmm. and then you mentioned see um the chronicles of narnia by c.s lewis mm-hmm. how he described him and we did that for our last episode and you mentioned how this was written in a contest so what are some similarities that you've noticed between the two? Well, I think they're definitely both influenced by World War II, the, the Great War that would have just, I mean, we've been at war your entire life and you probably didn't notice for the most part. Unless mm-hmm. you watch the news, you don't see anything. But this was a war that their home was attacked. Like bombs were going off in the major cities. Um, kids were being moved out of their parents' homes, out into the country just to help the country survive. There's food was scarce there was so many things happening that was a it was a major deal to the citizens so it impacts this area area of the story both of them have great histories with folklore that they could draw from um, and bring in i think the hobbit is definitely written for an older age group we didn't talk about the age on this but i would say 13 is probably 
the beginning point. You said you had a little trouble with it, and you, mm-hmm. pro- and you read at a much higher grade level than that. Yeah. Um, but it's the archaic language. Um, I think the Chronicles of Narnia can probably be read, I forget what we even said, a little bit younger. All right, read two a lot younger. Yeah. But I wouldn't try to read The Hobbit out loud to a five-year-old. I don't think that would go well. I would try to read that out loud to like an eight-year-old. Right. I don't think that would go well. Although I did have, I read the audio, I listened to it as an audio book, and I do have a dramatized version. It's shorter if you wanted to try that out later and see if it got more interesting to you. But anyway, they gave me both copies when I ordered it from Audible. It's kind of nice. That's nice. That's why you have both, yeah. Yeah. Not that this podcast is sponsored by Audible, but if they wanted to sponsor us, we'd be glad to let them. (laughs) So, what else? What else did you notice in the book? Um, the spiders coming. I think that was the first part I really noticed Bilbo being the hero. Mm Because he came and saved all of them using the ring. Yes. And he was able to cut most of them down before the spiders came. Right, and get them out and rescue them. Yes. Do you think Bilbo would have been able to find his own, to find his confidence, without the ring? I don't think so. I think he needed that to be able to step up. Like, I think we all have our thing that defines us and makes us, like, that we're able to talk about freely. And I think that kind of relates back to that, because he has the ring... And without that, and the spiders being able to see him, I don't think there's any way he would have gone and sang the song to get the spiders away from him. He wouldn't, he the, could, because, the he, people. because he wouldn't have had the confidence? Yeah. Or, yeah, I agree. It's kind of like Dumbo's feather. Mm-hmm. He had the innate ability in him the whole time, but without that thing to make him believe, it didn't work. Now, Bilbo actually did get the ability to turn invisible, which has got to be a great help in battle. But it also pushed him to do other things that he probably wouldn't have done. Like later in the story, he probably wouldn't have snuck out, gone over to uh, the side of the villagers and Bard to work against Thorin in that negotiation if he hadn't already had that confidence that that I can can do the right things, I can make the right decisions, and this isn't right. We've got to do something to fix it. It's kind of like training wheels. He needed the training wheels of the ring to be able to be confident and do it on his own. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. What did you think of the scene after Bilbo woke up on the battlefield after the goblins came through? When Thorin was on his deathbed? Oh, I think that's the time where everyone was starting to look to... Like, him almost as a second-in-command, because I trusted him. And I think it was the perfect time to show what he was actually capable of as a character. Yeah. Did you like, I mean, it was interesting that the lead of the dwar- the, the leader of the dwarves died. Like, he wasn't able to restore his kingdom. In part, I think it's because he was suffering the punishment for his selfishness yeah. in that whole negotiation. But... I was glad they, they made they reconciled that they got things back together, um, and I was kind of neat that the Bilbo didn't take a bunch of gold. He didn't even take his whole fourteenth share. He took, you know, just as much as he could carry because he didn't want to be waylaid by bandits or whatnot. And enough to like take care of himself, but not to be have the biggest hobbit hole, the right. biggest cut of the mountain. 
Yeah, and I love the fact that Tolkien actually has him walk like the story shortened. Shh, the story shortened. The story. Dang, damn it! The story. I'm totally not editing that out. Shut up. The story is shortened, obviously, but he has him go back and he meets um, Bjorn on the way back. Is that his name? Why do I think that that sounds wrong? No, Bjorn's right. And then he meets with um, in the the Elven Kingdom again. He goes and meets all the people that he met on the way out. And it's like he's a different person going back, but he spends time celebrating. He rewards his friends where he can just by giving gifts to say thank you. He comes back home, and this was probably the funniest scene. Do you remember what was happening when he got home? Gandalf was there was partying in his house. They were auctioning his stuff off. They had declared him dead and were getting rid of all his stuff. <laughs> so there's he even said there's stuff that he never did get back somehow. Some spoons oh, yeah. or something. And then so Reading this and understanding who Bilbo is, does, does the opening scene of Lord of the Rings make a little more sense? Do you remember it? Where he came out and he, he made his big goodbye yeah. and he put on the ring and disappeared. I think once you've, once you've lived something like that, it's hard to go back to the way you were. To the way you were and be satisfied. Like he could have lived, he could have lived in his hobbit hole for the rest of his days had he not gone on this adventure, smoking his pipe and. Complaining about the tooks over the water, and he would have been fine. Mm-hmm. But now, having had that adventure and seeing the whole wide world, he needs more. He needs more, and he eventually goes and he t- goes to the other, the other world with the elves when they leave, just because he's he's he can't stay where he was anymore. Which, which is which makes sense. Yeah, not we're spoiling stuff for Lord of the Rings now, but again, if you haven't read them by now, sorry about your luck. Hard <laughs> <laughs> to tell you. Well, closing thoughts. I think reading this book out loud it is a harder book though. Yeah. So just based on what you think you could read or what your kids think you could read. Yeah, I'd so say, I wouldn't give this to a younger kid. No, no. I would say 12, 13 if you're an At advanced the least. if you're an advanced reader. Um, little kids like you said, they're going to be bored. I get bored listening to the songs. I fast-forwarded through a couple of the songs at some point just because they sing forever. It's even worse in Lord of the Rings. It goes on for pages. It drives me nuts. <laughs> I just, But in the book, it's easy. You just flip a couple pages and you're, you can move on. But, all right, tell us about our next book. Our next book is The Giver... I don't know. Lois Lowry. By Lois Lowry. You picked this book. It's not like I'm forcing this on you and you don't recall. It is... A really good book. I've read it before, and I've been meaning to get the other books in the series, but I haven't yet, so I'm glad I didn't, so I don't spoil it. Okay. So again, we're going to read the first book in a series, uh-huh. and you'll probably read the rest, and I won't. That's how it usually works out. Mm-hmm. And it is a dystopian novel. It's really good. Okay. So now we're done with that part. I want to. We br- I'm going to bring something back, because you kind of um, dropped a little hint. You're writing something. Yes. S- tell us a little bit about that. It is a zombie apocalypse story. Um, it's about three kids, and they're all, like, the youngest, there's four of them, actually. The youngest is eight, and then the oldest is 14. So it's about the age range about kids that I like to read about. I'll read books about older kids, but I like them more, and they think they're more relatable when they're about my age. Okay. And how long have you been working on this? Um... Four months, I think. Not bad. Not bad. Will we expect to have it published published anytime soon? 
Maybe about a year. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no pressure. You you let us know when it's done. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening, and hope you enjoyed. Please share this with other people. That's how we build our um, fan base. Just thanks for listening. See you again next month. Thanks, everybody. Until then, read well and enjoy good books. Bye. Bye. <laughs>